Hello everyone and welcome to NEPA Sports Stories. My name is Matt Buffano and I'm the host of this podcast. This is episode 23 and my guest today is Tara Machaco, one of the best women's basketball players and coaches to ever come out of Northeast Pennsylvania. Tara is a graduate of Dunmore High School where she scored 2,211 career points for the Bucks. She set records, she played for a state championship, she made all state teams, she was just the real deal in Bucktown. After graduating from Dunmore in 1994, Tara played for some of the best teams in Penn State Lady Lions history. Unfortunately, Tara struggled with injuries while she was at Penn State, but she wound up at Lock Haven and uh, finished off a great playing career there. All of this is just scratching the surface as to why Tara is such an important and influential figure in local basketball, because she has been coaching for nearly two decades, first at Marywood and now at Wilkes. It was a pleasure having Tara tell her uniquely NEPA sports story on the podcast, and I think you'll enjoy this one. Before I go any further, I just want to remind everyone, wherever you're listening, to please consider subscribing to our podcast feed and look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Give us a like or a follow over on those platforms. So with no further ado, let's get into it. Here is my interview with Tara Machaco. All right, Tara. Well, first off, thank you again for joining me here on NEPA Sports Stories. How's everything going? Good. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Just what is it that got you started in the first place in basketball? Well, my dad was a high school coach for 35 years, so I, I kind of, uh, I guess, grew up with, was born with a basketball in my hand pretty much. I can remember as like three or four years old going to practices with my dad, um, dribbling up and down the floor, you know, trying to put the ball between my legs and I can't do it. I'm walking up the floor, lifting my legs up and, and kind of always, always being around the game um, from such an early age and then really just kind of becoming a manager for him and being so involved with all the girls and seeing how, how much um, they enjoyed it. And then that kind of got me started with the game um, of basketball. So I, I would say that uh, I was very fortunate that I had, I had that in my family, but also my grandfather, Guy Valvano was the sports writer for the uh, Scranton times for 30 years. So sports were always in our family, um, not necessarily just basketball, but um, so it, it was kind of always around. So I guess that was kind of born into a, a basketball type family, I guess. <laughs> Interesting. So as you were coming up through youth basketball leagues and things mm-hmm. like that, were you one of the better players on the court, even at an early age? Um, I, I don't know if I necessarily realized that. Um, I, I played with guys a lot. I'm dating myself now, but back in, back in the, <laughs> the early eighties, um, there wasn't, there wasn't always a girls leagues. So sometimes you had to jump in and play in the mixed leagues. Um, you know, the bitty basketball league sometimes were with boys and girls. So I think that probably helped me playing against the boys at an early age. Um, but it probably wasn't until uh, like eighth or ninth grade that I think I started to realize that I, I had skill to be able to play at the next level. And I started to set my goals and set my aspirations to, to try to get to that next level and try to get to the highest level possible. Um, and, and really, as, as a freshman going into Dunmore, the expectations were, were so high for everybody not only because of me, but because I was going to play for my dad and he had been doing it for so long. So it was, it was, is she going to, is she going to play because it's her dad or is she going to play because she's, 
she's actually capable of, of being, a, you know, a starter as a freshman and things like that. So I think there was a lot that um, I had to go out and prove. And I think that that, that helped push me uh, at an early age to, to try to get to try to be as good as I possibly can. Um, I can remember like days like today going out in the backyard and shoveling off our basketball court and, and going out there with my dad and playing in the snow just to get shots up. Yeah. So Dunmore, everybody knows it today as just one of the best girls basketball programs in the state, I think, especially for public schools. Was it like that even back then when uh, you were getting into high school? Um, my, he had always had good teams. He, he uh, I, don't, I don't want to keep going back to him, but he, he, he was always so good at taking whatever the, whatever cards he was dealt and, and make, and somehow getting all five of those kids on the floor together to play as a team and, and, and get the best out of them. Um, so he, he had really good teams up until the point that uh, I got into high school, but as we got into my sophomore junior year, we started to get better, a lot better. And we started to kind of run through the league a little bit. And um, senior year was the first time that we went to got past the second round of the state tournament. Um, and I, I'll never forget it because I wanted a pair of Jordans and I wanted to wear a pair of Jordans in the state playoffs. And my dad said, if we got past that second round, I could do that. So I can, <laughs> I, I can remember that. Uh, so it was the first time that he had ever done that. Um, and we went to the state final my senior year. Um, unfortunately, I missed a shot at the buzzer that, that would have won the game for us. Uh, we lost by one point to Cranberry. But I think that was really the, um, that was the first time that the girls basketball team had ever gone that far. Um, and I think it kind of put Dunmore on the map, playing against Cranberry Township, who had won two state championships prior to that. So I think that was really the start of it. And, it, and it's just kind of, I think now twice they've been in the state final, I think, since then. Uh, Something I, like that. I mean, it's kind of like, yeah, become a dynasty. Yeah. But I mean, people, people have a tendency to forget that um, my dad was there for 28 years and, and he kind of started that program after taking over for Alice Foley, who was there for a while. And um, he, he kind of built that program into what it is today. And Ben has done a very good job of, of keeping that tradition going and really building on that tradition. Yeah. And unfortunately, as you mentioned, you lost the state final uh, and it was, a really hard fought loss. I think I read a news clipping that it was actually kind of controversial in the yeah. way that it unfolded. <laughs> Not that anybody remembers all these years later. No, but you know, leading up to that state final, what were some of the best memories or, or maybe a single game that, you know, you really hold close to your heart from that senior season at Dunmore? I, I think it was at, was at Hazleton high school. Maybe we were playing Reading, Reading Holy name. And I don't even know if they're still, I think it's Burke's Catholic now the school. Um, we were playing Reading Holy Name, and that was the game that got us past that, that second round. Um, and we kind of, we were down at halftime. We came out, came out and I think um, kind of laid a little bit of a whooping on them in the second half. And I'll never forget uh, a reporter went over to interview my dad after the game. And my mom was so excited and so happy because it was the first time it had ever happened. She got on and, and got, got interviewed. She was so excited. And we have that interview on VHS film. Um, but it was really funny and I'll never, I'll never forget that game because I think that was not only was it great for us as players, but to see, to see that all that my dad had been through and you always forget about my mom who had to go through all of that with him and, and listen to him when he comes home from games and things like that. So I think that was probably one of the ones my senior year that stood out the most um, was us getting past that, that over, over that hump we couldn't get over. All right. And I'm tr trying to look, at, <laughs> trying to look it up here. Um, what, what year again was that the state championship? Oh, that was 90, 94. 93-94, yeah. And I believe you were first team all state that year, if I yes. recall correctly. So, and ended up being the 
Lackawanna League all-time leading scorer for girls basketball. More than 2,000 points, correct? Yes, correct, yeah. Uh, I think it was – I don't know if it was Amber Jacobs or Becky Burke. One of those two had broke it recently, yeah. All right, and just to go through that state playoff run once more, you beat St. Pius the 10th, uh, 55-39 to 39 in the first round at Wyoming area. And then DeLone Catholic, you beat okay. them – 49 to 37 at Shimokin. And then you beat Marion Mercy Academy, yep. 57 53 in Allentown. And then Holy Name, as you mentioned, yep. 7 p.m., March 22nd at <laughs> Hazelton High School, 54 to 49. Um, so between making a deep state playoff run, scoring more than 2,000 points, I mean, you had the resume of somebody who was destined to play college basketball, obviously. At what point did Penn State enter the picture? And when you were going on that state playoff run, were you already committed? Um, I was, yeah. I actually, I committed to them um, the summer going into my senior year. And they really came into the picture late. Uh, I, I had narrowed my choices down as, um, as a junior. Going, and that summer kind of narrowed it down to Villanova, St. Joe's, Seton Hall, and Notre Dame. And Penn State kind of came into the picture a little bit late. And being from this area, um, Penn State coming in, it's, it's kind of hard not to, not to take a look at, at, at them as a football school. I mean, I, I think everything, everything about, the, about Penn State in, in this area kind of, it was like, how could, I not, how could I not give them a look? And I'd already visited most of the other schools. I had a great relationship with the Villanova coach, assistant coach at the time, Darcel Estep, and Harry Pareto, who just, who just recently uh, retired from coaching. But that was probably where I would have ended up um, if Penn State had not come into the picture. And then at the time that they came into the picture, they, they were on a pretty good run. And uh, they were number one in the country, I think, at one point. Rini had reached out a few times. Um, I, I went on a visit. And when you go on a visit to Penn State and you go to a football game, it's done. <laughs> you, know, you're, you know that's where you're going. Uh, if, if you're a college football fan and you see that kind of atmosphere. So I kind of knew, I guess, when I stepped on the campus and did that, that part of the visit that that's where I was going. And we were playing uh, in the Keystone games and my dad was coaching the Keystone games. We had, we had a practice at Dunmore high school and I'll never forget the coaches from Seton hall were at our practice. And my dad was taping my ankle before practice. And I just looked at him and I said, I'm going to Penn state. And he, <laughs> that's where he wanted me to go. Unfortunately, I had coaches there to watch me play. Um, and then my mom wasn't too happy because my mom wanted me to go to Villanova. She was more of the academic side of things. And she wanted me to go, go to Villanova. It was the middle of the summer, and I just said, this is what I'm doing. I want to go into my senior year and be able to, to enjoy, enjoy the experience and not have to worry about where I'm going or anything like that. So, yeah, that, through that run, I, I knew where I was going, which was a good thing. I think it took a lot of pressure off me. Yeah, and what was the pressure like? Like, how did you break the news to these other schools, or did you just tell Penn State and let the pieces fall where they may? I will tell you, I think – having gone through that as a player makes it a lot easier for me to talk to recruits now when, they, when they're going to tell me no. But I, the hardest one w w was Villanova. I, I can remember both of us were on the phone crying, myself and the assistant coach, because it was we had developed such a good relationship. Um, and then a couple of the schools were not too happy with my decision and, and kind of felt like I had dragged them along. But I, I, I honestly, I didn't. I, it, was just, it was just where I felt like I, I fit in the most. So I think as a 17, 16, 17 year old kid, you do a lot of growing up when you have to make a phone call like that um, and, and have to be able to talk to somebody that you've developed quite a relationship with and is, is pretty much saying to you that, 
hey, we're going to give you, you know, 60, 70, $80,000 and pay for your education to be able to, to come and play for us. And then all of a sudden you change your mind. So um, I, I think um, that, like I said, I think that definitely has helped me now as a coach to be able to, to be able to handle the situation a little bit better. But yeah, that's, that's tough. <laughs> yeah. So, so you get into Penn State and you go from being the, the star player at Dunmore High School to what at Penn State? You know, were you immediately an impact player? How did that go? I actually, um, about three or four weeks into my freshman year, we were on the track running sprints and we had lifted early in the morning and I completely ripped my hamstring. Um, so I was, I was hurt until like mid-January, my freshman year. And when I came back, I, I was in the middle of practice and we had guys that practiced with us at the time. I think they still do it a little bit now at the divisional level, but we did it a lot. We had like six or seven guys that would be in with us and a guy that was like six, four, six, five, he probably 200 pounds, 220 pounds landed on the outside of my leg and I, I tore my MCL. So I went from hamstring to MCL. So I kind of, my, my freshman year, I kind of had to try to work myself back. Um, I ended up, coming back uh, right around the NCAA tournament time. And we were playing NC State at, um, at home in Rec Hall at the time. And um, I got put in the game for a few minutes. So I kind of lost that year of eligibility. Um, and then as a sophomore, I got a little bit more time. Um, and then Was that my something year, that you yeah. wanted? Was that something that you wanted to play in that game as a freshman? I mean, everybody wants to get a chance to play in the NCAA tournament, but looking back on it, and again, at the time, it, it was so different with red shirts and medical hardships and things like that. And nobody really talked about them all that much. And, and if I had sat down and actually thought about all of that and, and been, I guess, educated a little bit more on how that worked, I probably would not have rushed myself back and tried to play. Um, I probably would have tried to figure out a way to get that year back because I missed a lot of time. Uh, obviously, the rec hall, and the, I, don't, if you ever, I don't know how old you are. Yeah, I, wanna... I, I've, I covered the women's volleyball team at the rec hall when I was a student at Penn State. Okay. Amazing atmosphere, yeah. <laughs> I, would, I mean, I... Bryce Jordan Center is awesome too, but if you don't have a lot of fans at the Bryce Jordan Center, it's kind of cavernous, whereas rec yeah. hall, everybody's just on top of you. I, can't, I mean, what was that like? I mean, you're talking probably eight or 9,000 people, and they're standing on, pretty much on the court. Mm -hmm. it, it was, I mean, that was one of the best atmospheres. And when we went into the Jordan Center, when we first moved in there, I think um, the first game we played, we might have had about twelve or 13,000 people, which is pretty impressive. I think it holds about 17 or so, but it's still, it's, it's, it's not the same. The students were on the court. It, it was just an unbelievable, and we ended up losing that game to NC State too, which was hard to do at, <laughs> hard mm -hmm. at home. It, it just, that's amazing. The volleyball, volleyball atmosphere, I mean, it's, it, it's very similar to what, what that's like. Rec Hall was probably one of the coolest places that I ever got to play. You move into your sophomore year, you're finally, you know, getting a little bit healthier. And mm -hmm. I think that you ended up having a really good season, right? I, I had an okay season. Um, I, I kind of, I, I was so used to all through high school being more of a scorer slash shooter. Um, and my sophomore year, our point guard got hurt. And my first start of my career was on national television against Georgia and Georgia had the quickest guards in the country. I don't remember what the ranking was um, uh, or anything like that, but I know that Georgia was ranked higher than we were. We were both ranked teams um, and I started at point guard and it was the first time like I had ever gone out in a, in a college game and played point guard. And I had to go out and not only play point guard. I'm not the, I'm not the fastest defender. I had a guard 90, 90 feet from, <laughs> uh, from the basket to, against their, their, God, what was her name? Lakeisha, Lakeisha Frett. 
Um, but to, to guard somebody that fast in the backcourt and on national TV, I was, I was scared out of my mind um, because it was the first time I had, I had ever tried to, tried to play that position. But uh, the coaches did a pretty good job of running a lot of things for me off of the point to make me almost be in that shooting guard slot. I did that as a, um, at the beginning of my sophomore year. And then when our point guard came back, I was able to move back a little bit to my natural position. But it was a, it was a decent year. But I think going into my junior year, that's when, when things kind of turned around a little bit for me. Not necessarily injury-wise, but they turned around in terms of, I think I put a lot more work in over the summer, um, a lot more work in in the fall. And um, I, had, I had a lot more opportunities as, as a junior. And I, I think you have, to under, you have to know that going in. Everybody, you, you come out of high school and you score over 2,000 points, you want to win and you want to make an immediate impact. But at the same time, the, the reality of it is you're going into a program that has probably 10 high school All-Americans on the team. They were number one in the country. Um, they've had success. Um, so, so you've got to know that you've got to, you've got to pay your dues and, and buy your time and, and, hope, and hope that when you do have an opportunity, you make the most of it. And that's, what, that's, that's all I tried to do while I was there. This was, I mean, arguably the glory days of the Penn State women's basketball program. I mean, you're still not looking at Penn State back then like a UConn or a Tennessee maybe, mm -hmm. but it was just like on that tier almost. How many, mm -hmm. uh, did you win one or two Big Ten conference tournament championships? We had two. Um, we went to the Sweet 16 uh, my sophomore year, and that was probably the year that I thought we, were gonna, we, were, we would have made a run to the Final Four. Um, we were out in Seattle and we lost to Auburn out in Seattle, but that was probably the best run that we had while I was there. But it was, I, I think that those like mid, mid to late nineties, early 2000 was probably the, the, the best runs that the women's team has had. And I, I mean, I'm hoping things are going to start to turn around a little bit now that um, uh, they have a new coach on there and, and, and things seem to be moving in a better direction. Going to the big 10 was tough too, because that was the transition right, right when I had started, we, we had just gotten into the big 10 and moving into a new arena that everybody expects you to go into and, and pack that every day. And those were, those were the glory days. You're right. That's, that's a pretty good way to put it. <laughs> and do you have a favorite memory from your time at Penn state? Was it winning that game to make it into the sweet 16 or what would, or, or, I mean, the conference championships are pretty yeah. awesome too. Yeah. I think um, we were playing, ugh, God, we were playing at uh, Hinkle Fieldhouse where Hoosiers was filmed. That's where the big 10 tournament used to be held. Walking in there and just thinking, I mean, everybody's seen Hoosiers pretty much, I, I would say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Walking in there, being able to say, this is where this was done. And we are, uh, one of our shooting guards, Katina Mack, who was a, this is my first year or second year. She was a fifth year senior. Um, she got hurt before the game. So I, again, I, I had a chance to go in. We were playing Purdue. I had a chance to go in and, and see, what, see what I could do. And I went in and I nailed two threes coming into the game and, and helped us win that big, one of those big 10 conference tournaments. So I think that's one of the games that I'll remember um, that I actually, you know, you got your, you got your opportunity and you made the most of it. And um, I can remember Carolyn Peck was doing, was, was, so my memory's going with all this, but Carolyn, Carolyn Peck was at Purdue. Lynn Dunn, Lynn Dunn was at Purdue. Lynn Dunn was now at Kentucky. She was the WA for a while, but she, she was coaching at Purdue at the time. Katie Smith, who now co was, who was in Liberty for a little while. Katie Smith was playing at Ohio State, and I got to play against Katie Smith in that tournament. So I think um, not only the winning the games, but the memories you have, again, of playing against some of these athletes that went on to play at the highest level and, and, and are, are now coaching in the WNBA and coaching at, at, at the highest college level. I think those are pretty cool memories, too. Since you bring up the WNBA, that was a league that started in 1997. So, I mean, 
it was pretty new, pretty fresh when you were playing college basketball. Uh, was that kind of the light at the end of the tunnel? Did, were you pushing yourself to get there? Um, no, and I, I never really, I don't know why. I just never really thought about that. Um, I used to work camps, uh, Kathy Rush camps. They were future stars international camps. Kathy Rush's husband, Ed Rush was an official in the WNBA. Kathy Rush played for, um, the Immaculata teams, coached the Immaculata teams back in the was it late seventies when they won the national championships. Ever seen the movie, the mighty max. I can't say I have. Okay. That's one to check out. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm always looking for I, movie recommendations. <laughs> Um, Rini, Rini actually played on that team. Um, Teresa Grentz, who coached at Rutgers, played on that team. Um, but Immaculata, and, and they played in the gym that we, we, used to, we used to coach at it when I was at Marywood at Immaculata. Um, but she ran camps all summer long, and, and I would go and work those camps. And I want to say this was at the end of my junior or senior year that I was working the camp, and she talked to me about – she said, you, you, if you really want to play, like, you, I could get – you could have opportunities. And I just didn't – I don't know why, I just didn't. I, I didn't have any desire to do that. When I finished at Penn State, though, I did still have a year of eligibility left because I didn't play my senior year. And at the time, I, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. Um, I, I knew I wanted to coach. Uh, so Lock, I t- reached out to a couple of different Division II schools, and they put me in touch with Lockhaven, and that's how I ended up at Lockhaven was um, they were able to, to pay for my graduate studies, and I could play a year and coach a year. So, But, but again, yeah, I never, I never really had those kind of aspirations. I knew coaching was in my, my future, but – for the record, if uh, the listeners are looking for a movie <laughs> recommendation, Mighty Max, uh, you know, as it regards that movie, that was the early 1970s. You're right. 1972 okay. to 74 is when they won their championships yeah. at Immaculata. Um, so, yeah, Lock Haven ends up being the choice that you go to. So you're a Division One player going to the Division Two level. And did you play that way? I mean, did it translate where you were oh, yeah. you know, the best player on the court? I wouldn't necessarily say that, but it translated in terms of the, the work ethic that I had and the drive that I had um, from day one. I can remember going in um, over the summer and helping them work their summer camp and playing pickup with the girls. They were like, oh boy, like this is, this is going to go to another level because we're playing pickup and I'm diving on the floor after loose balls and pickup. And they're like, uh-oh, let me go into the first. I can, I'll never forget this. One of the first practices we had, we're doing a, um, a wing deny defensive drill and I'm on defense and I'm diving and tipping balls out of bounds. And I go to the end of the line when I'm done and somebody said, why are you doing that? I'm like, this is, this is, this is how we're going to get better. This is what we need to do to be able to be able to get better. And um, I, I, they started to buy in a little bit to that too and, and, and play a little bit harder. And um, it wasn't a great year, but it was a better year that, than they had had in the past. And um, so it, it was, it was definitely interesting going from the highest level of division one to kind of a, a middle, middle level of division two. I, I'd say it was a little bit more relaxed. Um, but yeah, I, I treated it exactly the same. I, I, I went in and I did every, everything exactly the same. I was in on the shooting machine every day and, and kind of doing everything that I would have done. Um, I actually had the strength coaches from Penn state. I was very good friends with them that had trained us while we were there and he was still helping me while I was at Lockheed. And so I don't know how many people know that, but now they do. <laughs> Interesting. Some of the things that you did really well at Log Haven was shooting. So, I mean, you still own the single season record for free throw percentage and three point field goals. Free throws, you shot 90% in 1980, mm-hmm. uh, 1998, 1999. Just is shooting something that you see translates no matter what level of basketball you're playing? Yeah. I mean, I think that you could, you could work on that by yourself. 
and, and it's, it's something that you could continue to, to, to work on and, and make yourself the best possible shooter. But I have a funny story about the free throw thing. And, I, and again, I don't know why you remember like the weirdest <laughs> things, but the, I, can't, I can't remember who it is that we were playing, but we were sitting in the, um, in the classroom at halftime, that one of the games that we were playing, I can't remember who it was against. And the coach from Lockhaven came in and they're talking about the game and talking about different things. And then they pointed at me and they said something about, uh, and I don't know if you know this, but you're right now you're shooting hundred percent from the free throw line. And you're like number one or two in the country in percentage. And I went out and free throws in that game in the second half of that game. And that's what knocked me down percentage wise. <laughs> you cut out so there you know for a second. Watching... Did you say you missed a couple free throws? Yeah, I missed two free throws. I missed two free throws in that game. And that, that's what kind of knocked me back. And I'm like, God, we do this. We do this now when we watch games on TV and you're like, the announcer just jinxed them. Well, the coaches jinxed me. That game. That's not, I'll never forget that. <laughs> All right. So now you graduate from uh, Lock Haven. By the way, did you graduate with a Penn State degree as well? I did. I did. I okay. finished. I finished school and I graduated from Penn State uh, a recreation management degree. Went into went to Lock Haven and I did a master's in liberal arts. Okay. So then you end up at Marywood and were you head coach right away? Actually, I didn't. I right right from Lock Haven. Um, I stayed on as a GA uh, for a year and then from there. Um, I came home and, and I wasn't sure what was what was I was going to do next. Uh, I looked into different coaching jobs. Um, I actually moved to Boston for for a few months and I worked at a team building center there. So that that I had like a transition year before I actually got into coaching. But when I got into coaching, I was an assistant at Wilkes for Jim Reed. So I started at Wilkes um, and I was there for three years as an assistant coach. Absolutely loved my time there. I worked in the admissions office. I was a, an admissions counselor for two of those years. Um, and then the job at Marywood opened. That's when I moved back home and, and was at Marywood for 14 years. 14 years. And I mean, it does sound just like a perfect marriage. You being a Dunmore person, Marywood <laughs> mm-hmm. right down the street. Uh, and you had pretty, uh, pretty successful run there. You know, what are some of your favorite memories from coaching at Marywood? I got to coach a lot of really great kids. Um, and the, the best part was probably I got, I got to coach a lot of local kids, which was really, really nice. Um, at one point, um, I think we had seven of the, the 10 Lackawanna League All-Stars on our roster at Marywood, which was pretty cool, um, two of which were sisters. But I think being able to do it in my backyard, be, have, being able to have a family at all the games to, to be with me, my, my, my grandparents got to come to all, most of the games I had when I was at Marywood. But, but it was also very rewarding because when I took over, I was the first full-time head coach that was hired uh, in the whole department. Uh, my job was head basketball assistant volleyball, which is a whole other story. I knew <laughs> volleyball it was just kind of how the position was created. We went from the first three years, we were below 500. I, I think I was seven and seven and 17, six and 19, those two years, first two years. And then the third year, we won 10 games. Um, I started to kind of figure things out. Uh, and then from that point forward, the next 11 years, we were above 500. Um, we got two, two of those last four years, I think we were number one in the country going into the conference playoffs. So we had to work at it. And then it was really, really tests of patience. Um, you know, as a young coach, you want things to happen overnight. They didn't happen like that for me. So it was, it was really not only a learning process, but it was, it was, I had to dig deep and see, see what I was all about and what I could, what I can accomplish. And I think um, going through those last probably four or five years at Marywood, I don't know that I could have done any more than what we were able to do. 
Um, and I think that's kind of what, when the Wilkes job opened, I was, I was like, I'm ready for a little bit of a change and a different challenge here. Um, I think I've taken us kind of as far as we can go at this point at Marywood. So I, I, I think there's so many, there's so many memories I have from Marywood. Though. I still have so many, so many close friends that were players. I have players that, that came on staff with me, that coached with me. I have, uh, you know, player, I still have a current player now that's an assistant coach with me. So I think the, the memories that I have from being able to do that, and I'll always be grateful for that them giving me my first first opportunity as a head coach, a head coach with not a lot of coaching experience. <laughs> and did I hear that right? You went from three straight losing seasons to eleven straight winning seasons. Yep, that's that's pretty incredible. So now, as you get to Wilkes, uh, you look at the roster for this season, for example, uh, a season that unfortunately we haven't been able to see. But you got Dallas, Turnersville, North. Uh, Turnersville, New Jersey, Marion Catholic, Northwest, Wyoming Valley West, uh, Nazareth High School, Northwest High School, Palmerton. So you got a, a good mix of players from in the area, outside the area. What could you just tell us about your recruiting strategy and how you get women uh, to sign on to play at Wilkes? Um, it's definitely different than when I was at Marywood. Um, I think you're recruiting to a different type of school not only the academic majors that we have to offer, um, you know, having pharmacy, nursing, uh, engineering has become huge. Um, so I, I think we have a lot of different majors we have. Um, and we draw, I think at Wilkes, we draw from a much larger area. You know, we have a Cleveland, Ohio. Um, we have players that are Western PA out towards Altoona. Um, so we've kind of drawn from, from all different areas. But uh, our, our approach going in that first year was, God, there was a stretch. And I, if I went back on my Twitter timeline, I could see it all because we, we tweeted about it for a stretch of like seven or eight days that we went from like Harrisburg to Cleveland, Ohio, to, to Jersey, to Altoona. We, we, we were like, it was like seven or eight days right before Christmas that we were all over the place. It was the first time I'd ever been to Cleveland. It was like, and I can remember, this, this is unbelievable. All five of those kids that we went to see on that first recruiting trip committed right to us in the next couple of weeks, which was really, really cool. Um, in that order that we went to see them, it was, it was like um, we, we put in the work and we got them. And they, and they kind of are the, the core class right now that, that we had that, that was our first class coming in. And then last year when we went out, we tried to do a, do this, a similar thing and, and, and go out and kind of a little bit smaller groups to find, find you know, certain, certain positions now, now that we, got, we have a core group in there, we were able to kind of focus in a little bit more on what type of positions we needed, not as much getting a, a larger number of, of players. So, but yeah, I think we, we've, we, we've drawn from a lot of other places. The, the local, local talent, we didn't do a very good job last year. I think we didn't, we're doing a much better job this year, get to, to go after some local players. Um, you know, there's other established programs that have coaches that have been there for a while, you know, Hodge at Kings, she's been there for a while. So the, the local area knows, knows her, the Wilkes-Barre area knows her and, and is comfortable with her and familiar with her. Um, so I think it, it's, it's, it's going to take a little bit longer to get that local, local talent to start to open their eyes a little bit more. We've got one coming Wolf for next year. So. <laughs> oh, good, good. The Scranton-Wilkes-Barre area has got to be one of the most competitive when it comes to Division Three basketball, oh, yeah. because within a 25-mile stretch or so, you've got Marywood, Scranton, Misericordia, Wilkes, Kings, even have, you know, Penn State, Wilkes-Barre, Penn State, mm -hmm. Scranton have programs. Yeah. Uh, Keystone College, you know, there's mm -hmm. a lot of different mm -hmm. programs. What do you try to sell the recruits on at Wilkes compared to those other programs? Um, I, I think we have a unique, 
they have a unique ability at our, at our, our place right now to come in and change the culture of the program and change the direction of the program. Um, you know, we, we made great strides in the first two years that we were there, but I think that coming in now, they have an opportunity to really put their, put their mark on the program and say that they, they were part of one of those classes that really helped build the program and help kind of change the trajectory of the program. I think the opportunity to come in and play right away is there. I think coming into a, a, a program with a staff that is, has been, my, my assistant coaches have both been with me for six plus years. One was a player, one has been on my staff for six plus years. Um, I think that's really important that you have uh, stability in your staff and in your program. Um, I think facility-wise, the Mart Center is a little bit older, but it's pretty cool. And, it, and, and it's a pretty cool environment to play in. Um, we have, the campus is absolutely beautiful. Um, I think when, when they step on campus sometimes, and especially if a local player comes on campus and does a tour, tour with us, the first thing they and the parents say to us is, I didn't realize how nice this campus is. And then I think the academic programs, I, I get mentioned, the, the majors that we have to offer, the housing on campus is so unique. Um, we, we have different styles of housing. So I think we do have a lot of different, different things that we, we could use as selling points. But I think in terms of basketball-wise, there's not too many programs that, that can say, you have a chance to come in and be an immediate impact player, and you have a chance to come in and say, you know, 10 years, 10 years down the road, you can look back and say, we did this, my class did this, and, and turn this around. So I think that, that's, that's a big thing, too. And of course, one of the big things is just the basketball of it all, because you have just such a winning record. And what is it that you think has keyed your success as a basketball coach? You know, maybe it's the X's and O's, maybe it's the philosophy. What is it in your own words? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think I just absolutely love the game. Um, I love teaching the game. I love talking about the game. I, I I love watching the game. And I think that that really shows through to my players, I think to the recruits, to their families. Um, I, I care about each and every one of them and I care about each and every one of the recruits and players and th that we meet. And I think that hopefully that shows through. Um, and I am a competitor and it's, it's been tough the last two years of trying to kind of hold back some of that, knowing that it's going to take a little bit of time to, for, the, for this, to, this to come together and for this to work and having the patience with that. But it does. It, it. I don't want people to get the wrong impression because it, 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 deep inside, it's 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 killing me that we're not where we're where I would want us to be right now. And I think that that shows through. And I think that um, if you come into one of our practices, our practices are probably more intense than some of our games. Um, and that might be the Division One mentality that I have, um, or it's the competitiveness of it. I'm not sure, but I think that my players that they, they see that, and I think that that's something that excites them that they want to play. They want to play for somebody that is willing to go out and do that as well, because we'll jump in and do things with them too. And if, if, we, if we need to get physical, we will. If, if we need to, uh, you know, get out and, and demonstrate how to take a charge, we're going to do that. Um, so I think that, and I think you make it fun too. I think that's really, really important. That, um, it's, not only, it's not only just X's and O's and, hey, black and white here. This is what we're doing. This is how you're going to do it. I think it's important that you have fun. And we try to do that too. And, um, you know, for, we had a Halloween practice this year. And I went in a shark costume, a blow-up shark costume. And you try to show that you try to show your players that you're human and you like to enjoy things too, and you like to do things that that are going to kind of relax you a little bit. So. All right, Tara. Well, just uh, another question or two. When it comes mm -hmm. to recruiting players and finding talent, you know, some sports like football and men's basketball. I mean, they're covered so extensively mm -hmm. that you can't miss a prospect. 
women's basketball to a degree as well. Mm-hmm. But like, do you ever find maybe um, when you're on the road to, you know, Nazareth High School or Reading High School, wherever you are, and maybe you just find a player and you're thinking, how am I the one who's seeing this and nobody else? Like, do you ever have those moments where you really <laughs> see potential that nobody else does? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have it both ways. I have it that I think I'm going to get that kid and they end up going to like a division one school. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I could give you, I could give you an, a, the perfect example and she's going to kill me when she hears it, when she, if she listens to this. But <laughs> when I was at Marywood, um, we recruited a girl from Dunmore and I don't know if you, you'll recognize the name, Erica Bistrin. Um, this, yeah. is, this was my, one of my last years at Marywood. Um, and, and I've known Erica since she's a little kid and, and I knew what she was capable of, but we went in to watch her play and she got a couple shots in the game. She, she, she wasn't the scorer. It was Maddie Martin that was the scorer at the time. And Erica, though, in my eyes, did everything else that a coach wanted. She was so fundamental to what she did, you know, her, in terms of defensive stance, every, all these little details. And I recruited my butt off with Erica. And the first time I went in, she said, I don't want to play college basketball. I have absolutely no desire to play college basketball. And we kept showing up and we kept going. And no one else was really recruiting her. I think there was one other school that was there one time to see her. Um, but we were the only ones that went after her because I, I saw something in her and I was like, she does things the right way. She works really, really hard. She does everything fundamental. And then she came she ended up coming to Marywood and playing for us. She was the rookie of the year in the CSAC and she had like 390 or 385 points, something like that. She had a game where she had nine threes. She, she was, she was unbelievable. And, and people will say to me, and I, I talked to Ben a couple of weeks ago about it. People will say something about Erica and I'm like, yeah, Erica, Bish, yeah. Erica, she didn't get enough. She didn't get enough shots in high school. Like she, you didn't get her the ball enough. Or um, they'll say, "Wow, she was she, she did a really good job for you." And I'm like, "Yeah, like I saw something in her." Um, and, and I think that 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 happens a lot. And I think sometimes somebody will say, "What are you going after her for?" And I'm like, "Because there's something that I see, and it may not necessarily be X's and O's. It might not be skill wise. It may be it may be a leadership thing. It may be somebody that you know is going to come in and." Um, and kind of put, put the team on their backing or, or be the glue to the program or something. And maybe something like that too. So yes, I do catch myself. And Eric, again, Erica's going to kill me when she hears that story. But I think sometimes in, you're, you're watching so many kids play. You go to an AAU tournament and you're watching 4,000 kids and you're trying to write notes and you end up starting to write the same thing on everybody. There's something you have to find. You have to find something in somebody. And when you do, it's like you circle that person and you're like, okay, that's, that's a leader. I need to go get her because she's going to be a leader. So. All right, Tara, and something that I ask everybody on here is just what is the role that Northeast Pennsylvania has played in molding you as the, the basketball player, coach, and, and everything that it, that is in your life? <laughs> I, I think I'm so fortunate that I was born here. I was raised here. I left for a little bit and went to Penn State, but Penn State is a Northeast PA. Everybody loves Penn State. Um, and then I, coming back here, um, I, I just think it's so, so cool that I get to do all of this in my backyard. And even though I'm a little bit further at Wilkes than I am, than I was at Marywood, I just think it's really, really cool that I get to do this around, around my family and friends and um, that I get to turn around during games and, and ask my dad, what do I have to do? Or, or who do I have to put in? And I could hear him and my uncle behind me. I just think it's so cool that I get to do that. And, you know, people will say all the time, and um, I, are you from Northeast or PA? I am, yes, born, born and raised. Okay. People say to us all the time, like, why have you never left here? And I used to think that like, oh God, I'm not coming back. I'm not, I'll, ne- I'll never go back. I'm going to move, I'm going to move somewhere warm. And it's, 
I'm 44 years old and I haven't left. So I, I don't know what it is, but there's something about this area that is, that is special. And I think, um, and I think it has a lot to do with the, the, the support that you get in the community um, and the, the family type, type atmosphere that you have here. So I, I'm just very thankful that I get to do what I love to do, coaching basketball, and I get to do it around people that I love. I, I think that just about covers it. I thank you again for spending some time with me here on NEPA Sports Stories. Hope you had a good time. And, uh, you know, thanks again. Definitely. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, everyone. That's the interview. Thanks again for listening, for making NEPA Sports Stories part of your day. And thank you to Tara Machaco for spending some time with me here on the podcast. Just want to remind everyone, if you enjoyed this podcast, the best way to let me know that is by going on Apple Podcasts, leaving a rating, preferably five stars if you think I earned it, and maybe even a review. Uh, Just taking a few seconds out of your day to do that would really mean a lot to me. And be sure to, again, listen to us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Uh, Follow us on Facebook and Instagram as well. And hopefully you'll tune in next week, next Monday, for a new episode of NEPA Sports Stories. Thanks again for listening.